This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. Well, we're talking, our series this month is about faith walking with God, walking by faith, because the Christian life is about faith, isn't it? It's all about faith. We're saved by faith. We looked at that last week as we celebrated uh, the resurrection of Jesus last week. And we talked about being raised up by faith. But, you know, all as believers, we we begin a new life. Our our life has begun anew when we put our faith in Jesus. But it's, it's life that has its origin in God. But also... We become His children. We are His co-heirs together. We're forgiven. We're the recipients of His righteousness. There's so many things that we need to understand that as we begin and walk out this life with God, a life of faith, that God is ready to bestow upon us. Amen? And many things we have been given, but sometimes we just don't know. That's the reason God gave us the Bible, wasn't it? I'm so glad we don't have to guess about what God has done for us in our salvation. I'm so glad we don't have to guess about the will of God in so many areas of our life because if we were all guessing, my guess on the guessing is we'd all have a different opinion, wouldn't we? But thank God He's given us the Bible. He's given us His Word. And we're able to look into it. And today we're going to look at it in this faith walking with God. And we're going to look at our new identity uh, in Christ. The Bible says, If any man be in Christ, he is a brand new creation. That means mankind, any man, any woman, any person, he is a brand new creation. What does that mean? That's what we want to look into today. Because until we find out what God says about that, we may continue, even though our sins have been forgiven and we're believers, we may continue to live at a substandard Christian life. Amen? I read, I forget who the writer was, but uh, a well-known Christian apologist or writer who said this. He said he's convinced that most of us as Christians are living well below God's uh, intention for us as believers. That we're not not reaching near what God has provided for us. Well, I'm believing that's not going to be true about you and I. Amen? Amen? So why don't you turn over to 2 Corinthians 5 to begin with. We want to look at our new identity today and talk about that and what it means. And remember now, the Bible says this, without faith, it is impossible to please God. You know, the thing that kept Israel, the the first generation of Israel that came out of Egypt, the thing that kept them out of the promised land that kept them out of God's best for their life, the fullness of God's will. The Bible says that they heard the message, but they didn't mix any faith with it. And see, here's the thing about God. Even though God's willing, even though God's made promises, even though Jesus has come and He's paid the price, He's raised from the dead, He's seated at the right hand of the Father, unless we mix faith with the gospel, it doesn't benefit us. Because if, if the gospel would just benefit everybody without mixing faith, then everybody would go to heaven. But they have to hear. They have to mix faith with, uh, with the message heard and receive the benefit of God's grace. Isn't that true? I remember uh, 
you know, I, I, t- I talk about my mom. My mom grew up, of course, she's been gone on to be with the Lord many years, but she grew up during the Depression era. And, of course, during the Depression era, era if you're familiar with that, I mean, times were hard. They were real hard. And, and, and you know, and people were just, you know, almost living day to day here in this country. Millions of people were just getting by day to day. You could work all day for a dollar. Twelve hours. Sun up and sun down for a dollar. And my mom went to that. And, and, and I began to understand more about how it had affected my mom because uh, mom had a difficult time receiving. Now, she would, she would give. She would work and scrimp and work, and, you know, for us kids and all. But she had a hard She could give liberally, but she had a hard time receiving. And, and many times, you know, I shared this with you. When we went to clear out mom's house that, you know, uh, after she'd gone on to be with the Lord and we're in there with my sisters clearing out things and we'd come across things that uh, I'd given her or that my sisters had given her or my other brother had given her that were still in the box she never wore. Because she has that mindset that she was going to save it, she was going to keep it. She was gonna, you know, here's the thing. And sometimes we can get that mindset in uh, the body of Christ, in the family of God. Listen, God will not run out. He won't run out of grace. He won't run out of healing. He won't run out of forgiveness. He won't run out of blessing. He won't run out of peace. He is an unending supply of grace. So don't worry about that you're going to bankrupt heaven. You're not going to. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to begin with verse 17. It said, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Boy, I like the way that reads. I'm going to read that again. If anyone is in Christ, remember we said, what does it mean to be in Christ? When you put your faith in Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He said, as a new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. Well, this new identity, what is he talking about here? It's, it's obviously, he can't be talking about the outward man, can he? Because, you know... Outwardly, after I got saved, I looked the same as I did before I got saved as far as my physical appearance. Now I had more hair in those days. But you know, it, it, I looked the same. So he says, the old is gone, the new has come. What, what is he talking about here, this new identity? He's talking about the man on the inside. The Bible teaches us that man is three parts. Spirit. Soul and body. The Apostle Paul prayed over there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He said, I pray your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless to the coming of the Lord. Well, we know we don't have a new body yet. Amen. (laughs) Because if I had a new body, I wouldn't have lost my hair and gotten older. So we don't have a new body yet. So what is he talking about? He's talking about the person on the inside, the spirit of man. That part of man that's made in the image of God. See, God doesn't have a flesh body. Are you listening? Now, Jesus does, but God doesn't. The Father doesn't. He's a spirit. Jesus said God is a spirit. Did you know you're a spirit too? You're created in the image of God. And so you're spirit. So the new man, this brand new life, this new identity is the man on the inside. Wow. You know, and let me just say this. You know, the Bible talks about us walking in the Spirit, living in the Spirit. I have found that most of my difficulties come 
when I am living more carnally than I am more in the Spirit. Now, living in the Spirit doesn't mean that I'm going around prophesying all the time, speaking in tongues, and jumping to pews. That's not, that's not what we're talking about, Walk, uh, you know, walking in the Spirit. You know, walking in the Spirit is this. I'm more conscious of the man on the inside, my spirit life, of the Holy Spirit dwelling in me, than I am my externals. See, carnal's not just because, you know, uh, you know, usually we think of carnal, we think of, you know, sexual sins and things like that. But carnal, carnality can just be so focused on my outward circumstances that I'm whining and complaining and griping and I'm jealous of what other people have and, and I'm upset because I don't have this and don't have that. That's being carnal. And he said that to be carnally minded is death. What does he mean? That doesn't mean you, you're going to fall over dead. But that means that what? You won't have peace. You're going to be filled with worry, anxiety, fears, phobias, all of that kind of stuff. That's death. But to be spiritually minded is peace. So this new identity, we need to understand that it means that we get a fresh start. A fresh start. When we put our faith in Jesus and we're made brand new on the inside, this new identity, this new creature, as it calls here, this new creation, we're brand new. Amen? And he says in verse 18, all this is from God. In other words, you didn't do it. God did it. Who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So because God has reconciled us to himself. Now, sometimes we don't understand maybe what that, in the terms of, of biblically speaking. But, you know, there was a time when we had checkbooks. Can anybody remember that? A checkbook? Do some of you younger folks even know what a checkbook are? <laughs> you know, it used to, before we had all this online banking and everything, you know, and, and, you know, and, and your, your, your cards and all that they used, you, you know, used to, you had, to, had this little book of checks, you know, about this big, and, you know, and you, you wrote the check out and you put it in the mail. Do any, some of you young folks know what the mail is? <laughs> But you, you know, you wrote out, you wrote out the checks and everything, and 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 you know, every every cycle, every thirty days, you had to balance or reconcile your checkbook, because if you didn't, you might find out that your outgo exceeded your income, and it's become your downfall. A lot of people still have that problem. Simple, simple way to to manage your finances. Don't let your outgo exceed your income or it'll become your downfall. That's just the way it is. And I don't mean to get political, but would that our government would understand that. <clears throat> but anyway, he said he's reconciled. In other words, spiritually speaking, I had all this indebtedness through my sin to God. So God says, you're never going to be able to pay all that, Norris. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pay it for you through my son. So Jesus came. He went to Calvary. He paid the price for my sins, for your sins. And so we're reconciled to God. And after, in the process of that reconciliation, he says, I'm going to give you a brand new start. I'm going to make you brand new on the inside. And the Bible says that when we are born again or made new, he, he makes us a new creation. We receive eternal life. 
Now, there's a misconception among some in the body of Christ that they only have a partial definition of eternal life. They think eternal life means, you know, when we die here and we go to be in heaven and live with God. Well, that's partially true. But it's also true that we've received eternal life right now. Otherwise, when you die, you won't go to heaven. Are you listening? Dying doesn't have anything to do with you being saved. Amen. You get saved in this life while you're living. Because if you don't get saved while you're living in this life, you're not going to heaven in the next life. But so eternal life means that God's life comes into our spirit. Are you listening? It's God's life in it. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. If you look at that word life in the Greek there, it's a, it's a small little word, zoe, zoe. And it means God's kind of life, our eternal life, our everlasting life. It's translated all those different ways. But it just means that the life of God has come in to my spirit, into your spirit, and has made us new. And now we have a new identity. And so now, the Bible teaches us, as we're new creatures in Christ Jesus, that we have a new life, and that new life is about what? A new future. This is why Paul says, don't look back. A lot of Christians, the reason they don't enjoy more of the life of God in them is they're always looking back. And if the enemy can get you to look back, he will steal from you the joy of your salvation. He will steal the peace of your salvation. He will steal the reality of your salvation. Because he'll get you to look him back. See how, remember how you were. Now, don't be telling me that God's made you right. He, God's not made you, you're not righteous. Look at, you know how you were. You know what I'm talking about? Man, I'm telling you. I got saved back in the Jesus movement. Back in the 70s. And you know, uh, of course, I, you know, came out of the drug culture and everything. The guy that led me to the Lord, he used to be the dealer I brought my drugs from. Crazy, isn't it? You know, and, and of course, you know, uh, Tony, when he got saved, we just thought, well, Tony's just, man, one too many hits of acid. Tony's gone over the deep end and all this Jesus stuff. Had this big grin on his face all the time, you know. He was always talking to us about Jesus because nobody else had enough nerve to approach us. You know, we were, we were not the kind of people you brought home to mom. <laughs> but, you know, uh, I remember that day I prayed. And, you know, and I, I, you know, I didn't get saved in church. I prayed in a, uh, in a, uh, uh, their, the warehouse. They owned the business. I, I prayed in their warehouse, and the washing machine was the altar. And I prayed with Tony there. And I didn't have, I, I didn't really understand what happened. I just knew I wanted God. You know? And as things began to unfold, I realized something had happened on the inside of me. I couldn't define it. I couldn't explain it. But I knew something had happened. You know, I'll just give you an example. You know, this is just how the devil will work, too. Just about the time, of course, Tony had, you know, I'm condensing it here. Tony had been witnessing uh, to us, you know, for a long time, not just to me, but a lot of our, our, my friends and people that knew Tony and bought our drugs from him. And, of course, every time he would witness to us, 
you know, we'd give him a piece of our mind, you know, colorful piece. But, because, but I believe this is why God used Tony, because it didn't affect him. See, he came out of that. It just went off of him like, you know, anybody else would have gotten, you know, 10, ten miles away from us. But finally, in the process of time, God dealing with my heart and everything, I decided, okay, you know, one day, Tony asked me again. So I said, you know what? I'm ready. I'm going to pray. And about the time we got ready to pray, a whole carload of my friends showed up. And, of course, in those days, in Alabama, they had dry counties and wet counties. Anybody remember that? And so, you know, we lived in a dry county, so we'd have to drive about 20 miles, you know, to find somewhere where you could buy some alcohol. And, of course, they showed up, said, let's go, you know, uh, let's go to the beer joint. That's what we used to call it. So, I, you know, I mean, I, I just prayed. I didn't know what happened to me. I didn't know, you know, I didn't know anything. I just prayed with, with Tony, and they showed up. And so we jumped in the car, and here we take out. And, of course, it, you know, we're driving 20, 20 miles on two-lane roads. It takes a while to get there. Well, the first thing they did, you know, is what we always did. They fired up a joint. A joint is a marijuana, <laughs> for those of you that don't know. A Mary Jane or a joint. That's because that's what we did. You know, that's who we were. That's what we did. Well, they passed it around, and it came around to me, and I said, no, I don't think I want any. You know, after they picked themselves up off the floorboard, because I didn't know, because Tony never told me, you know, now when you get saved, you can't cuss or dip snuff or kick the cat. He didn't get into all that. He just said, receive Jesus. He said, if you receive Jesus, he said, your sins will be forgiven. And, you know, he said, and, and he's going to give you a new life. I didn't understand all that. I didn't know any of that. But I can testify, it's true. It was real. It was real. And from that day to this, I never had to pick up another joint or take another hit of acid. Hallelujah. It's good to be set free, isn't it? It's good to have new life. And so from that point on, my point of reference changed. My point of reference changed. I began to look forward to the will of God for my life, to the plan of God for my life. And you know what? God has a plan for you. I don't care if you just got saved or if you've been saved like me for over 40 years. God still has a plan. God still has a purpose. There is an unfolding of this new life and this new identity that God has given you. So let's don't look back. Don't look back. Don't even look back to yesterday. Maybe you missed it. Maybe you, you blew it yesterday. You know what? Yesterday's behind you. Put it under the blood and move forward. God wants you to move forward. Because the enemy loves to hamstring us in our spiritual walk. By that I mean he gets you to look at, at, at yesterday's failings or yesterday's faults or what you did or what you didn't do. And he wants to condemn you and accuse you. You know, there's three voices that you're always hearing in your head. Of course, one of them is you. Come on, you know you talk to yourself, don't you? Sure you do. You talk to yourself. <clears throat> you talk to yourself. The other voice is, is the voice of the enemy. And then Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. So God's speaking to you. So there's three voices. So you need to be able to distinguish the three voices. Now, probably you know when you're talking to yourself, don't you? If you don't, we'll pray for you after the service because you're in trouble. But how do you discern the other two? Well, Jesus, uh, the, when the enemy talks to you, it's always about condemnation. 
It's always putting guilt on you. Are you listening? See, it's not, the Bible says in Romans 8, it's not, is it God that condemns us? He said, no, it's God that justified us. Why would He condemn you when He's justified you? God's not condemning you if you're a child of God. He's not condemning you. Will He show you about things that you need to correct in your life? Yes, but not in a condemning way. Because condemnation never has a solution. It just says you're bad, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad. You don't deserve anything. You don't deserve this. God don't like you. You're, no, you're not a good Christian. Yan, 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 yan. All that does is beat you down, beat you down, beat you down. But when God speaks to you, you know what it's going to produce? It's going to produce wisdom. It's going to produce peace. It's going to produce faith. It's going to produce love. What? Because Jesus said, every tree produces according to its own kind. Isn't that right? God doesn't have any condemnation to put on you because He don't have any. Are you listening? Does, you say, oh, does that mean God won't correct us? Of course He'll correct you. That's why He gave you the Holy Spirit, but He gave you the Bible. When you're reading in the Bible, there are times when I, you know, God will say, hey, you know what? You need an attitude check, bud. Come on. Yeah, but you're the pastor. You don't need an attitude check. Yeah, Right i got some swamp land I want to sell you. Yeah, sometimes the pastor has to have an attitude check too. Amen? But he, but he shows you that. But it's not in a condemning way. He doesn't beat you up. So that voice that wants to beat you up and condemn you, that's the enemy. And the Bible says you resist that. If you resist him, what did the Bible say he'll do? But if you welcome him, guess what? He'll set up house. There's some Christians, the devil set up housekeeping in your head. And you can't move forward. You can't really enjoy this new life and this new identity. We are accepted by God. That means we're restored to favor. Did you know that you're God's favorite? Of course, i got news for you. So is all your other brothers and sisters. Somebody says, God doesn't have favorites. That's true because we're all God's favorites. Because what? We've been restored to favor with God. Amen? Look, in, uh, look over there in Colossians chapter 2. You have favor with God. When you get ready to pray, how do you approach prayer? Do you approach it like, well, you know what? I'm going to ask God something might happen. Never can tell. Maybe if I pray enough, something will happen. Well, didn't Jesus tell us that that's the way the, the pagans and the heathen pray? He said, don't be like them. He said, they think they're going to, if they, they pray enough, loud enough, long enough, that God's going to hear them. He said, don't be like that. He said, your father, that already tells me I've got a connection with God that's favor. Because he's, he's papa. He's father. He's daddy. I already got favor. Isn't that right? Our kids are grown, but you know what? If one of my kids uh, uh, called me, uh, my son from Seattle called me, or my daughter from down South Florida called me and said, Dad, you know, this has happened, that's happened, you know what? Immediately, they've got my ear, they've got my compassion, and they've got whatever resources i got. I don't, maybe, maybe you feel different about it, but that's the, way, that's the way I am in my house. They've got, why? They've got favor with me, don't they? 
The same thing with God. You have favor with Him now. This new life that you're living, you have favor with God. So when we come in prayer to ask God for something, we need to approach it with this understanding. He's Father. I have favor with Him. Hallelujah. Woo! I'm telling you what. If it comes down to I have a need and I had... Uh, two friends, and I know that with one friend I had favor with the other fin- friend, though. I'm not sure. You know who I'm going to ask for a favor? The one I have favor with. <laughs> Amen. And when you ask your, go to your Heavenly Father, you need to know that you have favor with God. Colossians chapter 2, let's look at verse 13. When you were dead in your sins, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. When you were dead in your sins, when we were separated from God, when we had no hope, we had no right to approach God, we had, I mean, there was, I mean, really, we were on our way to hell. We were separated from God. He said, at that time, God extended His favor towards you. Wow. When you deserved it the least, God says, I'm going to give you the most. Come on. He says, when you were dead, God made you alive. Amen. He forgave us all our sins. How many sins? All. How many is all? all? You know what that word all means in the Greek? You guys are smart. All. <laughs> it means all. All is all. When Jesus died on the cross, how many of your sins were in the future? They were all in the future, weren't they? Because you, you were in the future. <laughs> In the mind of God. But in the mind of God, what? He saw you. He saw me. This is the, um, the, uh, the omniscience of God. He saw us all. And He placed on us all. Otherwise, every generation, Jesus would have had to come back down and die again. But He put all the sins of all the world, of all the people who would ever live, that's what Jesus bore. Well, there's about six and a half billion people just today, not counting everybody who's lived. And not only this, but, you know, all those who look forward to Calvary. Amen. So how did God do this? I have no idea. That's why He's God. I just believe He did it. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. Wow. You know, it's, it's like, you know, uh, you get you either get those online statements or maybe some people still get a few in the mail. You get, you know, the, those bills every week uh, or every month, I mean. You get those bills and says, you know, this is what you owe. This is your credit card debt or this is your payment on your, your mortgage payment or this is your payment on your car or whatever you got. And you see that there. Well, you know, each one of us, the picture here is that each one of us had a I probably had a book. You might have had a page. Uh, I might have had more than one book. But all the sins were written down, just like all those charges on your credit card or whatever's written down. He says that he took our indebtedness and he nailed it to the cross, signifying that because it was attached to the redemptive work of Jesus, it's all canceled. Wow. What if, you, what if you got a, a notice, you know, from your mortgage lender 
somebody has paid off your house. But you said, you know what, I think that's a hoax. I'm just going to keep sending in my payment. Or you got a notice from uh, your bank or your lender, somebody paid off your automobile. Well, yeah, now, I know it says that, but you know what, I'm going to keep sending in my payment. Just in case they didn't. Well, we would think, man, you need help. But how many Christians live their life still feeling like they're in debt? In debt to God, in debt to, to Satan, in debt because of, you know, they feel they don't measure up. You need to understand that your debt has been canceled. It's not canceled if you feel like it's been canceled. It's canceled because God canceled it. Amen? doesn't matter how you feel. Faith doesn't have anything to do with how you feel, does it? You know, I found this out. Electricity will work on my best day and on my worst day. Amen? The coffee pot will work. The lights will come on. The dishwasher will work. Amen? Even if I'm feeling down for whatever reason. You ever get up sometimes, you go to bed, you feel great, you get up in the morning, you're like... That's, the, that's, that's our feelings. That's that, that natural body, emotions and everything. They're so different. They change like South Florida weather. If you ever live in South Florida, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, you go to bed, you're feeling great. Everything's wonderful. You get up the next morning. Nothing's really changed, but you get up and you just kind of, you know, you got that old, old blah feeling tries to come on you. Oh, you all are so saved and sanctified. <laughs> but see it's still just as true. doesn't matter how I feel about it. The sun comes up. Amen. The birds still sing. And God's Word still true. And the blood still is effective. And all my debts and all my sins are still canceled. He said, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, He's taken it away, nailing it to the cross. So guess when that voice tries to bring back up your debt, guess who that is? It's not God. He's the one that canceled it. Are you listening? And the Bible says God's not a man that, it's, that He says yes and He really means no, or He says no and He really means yes. He said God's yes is always yes and God's no is always no. He doesn't change like people do sometimes. Once God says, this is how it is, and this is what's done, that's the way it is. Amen? And we just have to agree with Him. So we're restored to favor, and once we begin to believe it, we, what? we enter into rest with God. The Bible says there, if you go on and read in 2 Corinthians 5, and verse 21, it says that He who knew no sin, speaking of Jesus, was made to be sin with our sin, so that we might be made righteous with His righteousness. So in other words, He took all my debt, everything that was wrong with me, He took it upon Himself, and by His death, His burial, and His resurrection, He dealt with all of that and made it possible for me to receive what He has. Wow. I said, wow. Some of y'all looking at me like, I've heard all this. 
Well, you need to hear it again. Because it's not what we heard, it's what we're living. Isn't that right? It's what we do. Be doers of the Word. Live this way. We're in right standing with God. And that, that voice that comes to try to dig all that stuff up and condemn you, that's not God. That's the enemy. And you need to resist Him in the name of Jesus. Amen? You determine, I'm going to live in what God has provided for me. Amen? I'm going to tell you what. If somebody gave me a new car, you know what I'd do with that thing? I'd drive it. That's exactly right. And I'd thank God, but I'd drive it. I'd thank God, but I'd drive it. I'd enjoy it. I'd go on a road trip. I'd get in that thing and just smell that new car smell. Man, wow, thank you, Lord. This is great. Well, listen, we've been given something much greater than that. You know, that new car is going to get old. Amen. It's going to rip, rare, tear, rust, run downhill. Eventually, it's going to wear out. But what we've got, he said, it's new every day. Amen. We're part of his family. We're talking about faith walking with God, walking by faith with God, our new identity. We're restored to favor. We've, all our sins have been forgiven. We're in right standing with God. We're a part of his family. He has now become our father. Real quickly, look over in Romans 8. I've got just a few more minutes here. I want to cover some more things. And I want you to, listen, grab a hold of this. He said, <clears throat> 8 verse 15, it says, The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Fear is always associated with judgment and condemnation. You can't have condemnation without fear. You can't have judgment without fear. But he says here, notice now, read it. Read it in your Bible if you've got your Bible with you. He says, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. We don't live fearful. You know, that thought that comes to you, oh, I'm telling you, you just don't measure up. Boy, you, I mean, you know God's not going to answer your prayer. You know God's not going to do that for you. You know God don't like you. You don't even like you. You know God don't like you. That's the devil. Are you listening? He says, rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. That means daughtership, too. <laughs> and by him we cry, Abba, Papa, Daddy, Father. Boy, I am accepted in the beloved. I'm part of the family. I'm part of the family. I belong to God. You be, if you're a believer, you belong to God. You have the spirit that says, Papa. You know, uh, I got my, both our, our boys are grown now, but when they were home, I remember when they, they hit the, those teenage years, they hit grow, growth spurts. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it was like you couldn't keep enough food in the pantry. You couldn't keep enough food in the, the refrigerator. I mean, not only did they eat more at meals, but they were grazing in between meals. Amen? And I mean, they, I mean, it was like you couldn't keep them full. Anybody know what I'm talking about, you know? You, is it growth spurt, right, David? You know? Because, I mean, their body was changed. They were growing all the time. But you know what? My boys never, you know, would come crawling down the stairs from their room with this pitiful look on their face and 
crawl up to me and grab my pants legs. Oh, Dad, can I have a snack? If it be your will. I would have thought something was wrong. And if you'd been a guest at my house and you saw him do that, you wouldn't wonder about them. You'd wonder about me, wouldn't you? Well, what kind of dad is he? No, you know what they did? They'd go look in there, and if there wasn't anything in there, they'd say, Dad, you and Mom need to go to the grocery store. That's sonship. Are you listening? That's part of the family. And you know, we didn't get all mad. We chuckled about it. Okay, we're, gonna, we're getting there. Because what? That's sonship. When we come to the Father... We have a need. We don't have to crawl up there like we're something pitiful and like, you know, God's doling it out with an eyedropper. He said this. He said, if you being evil or natural know how to give good gifts to your children, come on, how much more, how much more, how much more, Will your heavenly Father give good things to those who ask Him? Oh, I'm, I don't, I'm part of the family. I'm not a beggar. I'm in. If you're a believer, you're in. If you're not a believer, God invites you to become one and be in. You get in on it. Get in on His goodness. Get in on His forgiveness. Get in on His blessing. Amen? We have family privileges. The Bible says in Hebrews 4, let us come boldly with confidence to the throne of grace. He didn't say crawl up there. He didn't say sneak up inside and see if God, you know, there might be a crumb fall off the table. He said come with confidence. Come boldly to the throne of grace. What? To, so that you can receive the help you need in your time of need. I just come right up there. Dad, I need some money. He said, go back to the illustration where he's talked about if you being evil. He said, what, is, what son comes to his father and asks for a fish? He said, you going to give him a serpent? Well, you know, God knows what I need. And I just, you know, I know I, I thought I needed the fish, but he gave me this serpent. No, he didn't. <laughs> Bless your heart. No. If you ask for a fish, he'll give you a fish. You need to be specific. When you come to, to Daddy, what is it that you want? I just want something. Well, what's something? It's got a name, doesn't it? Give it a name. If it's healing, if it's money, if it's peace, if it's wisdom, if it's direction, if it's courage to be a witness for Him, whatever it is, ask Him for it. Put a name on it. And He said, come with confidence. And He said, if you ask it, He said, you're not going to get something else. You're going to get what you ask for. We have the DNA of Christ Jesus in our spirit. Amen? You know, probably you look like one or maybe a combination of your parents, don't you? Isn't that true? I know it's true with our kids. If you saw our grown daughter, you would think you were looking at Cindy over there. If you looked at my middle son who's grown, you think you were looking at me. Well, he's got some of her, so he's more handsome, thank goodness. But, I mean, they have our DNA, don't they? they they're they're our, our offspring. They have our DNA. 
And we know this, the law of Genesis says this, God, that everything produces after its own kind. Isn't that right? Human beings have human beings. And then when you get down more specifically, in our family, there's a DNA that's passed on. Well, now that we're born of God, guess what DNA we have? We have His DNA in our spirit. The D- Think about that. Hallelujah. You know, Cindy, uh, she has a hobby. She gets on and she, 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 she likes to go back and look on our Ancestry.com or whatever that is. I don't know what it is. She look, you know, it's just interesting. But really... For us as believers, we can go, we only have to go one step to find out, uh, you know, who we belong to. You are of God, little children. Amen. So the DNA, I've got natural DNA, but the spiritual DNA is of, of, of God and is of Jesus. What's that DNA like? Let me just tell you. I haven't got time to get it on, but just let me read one thing over here. First John, this is your DNA. This is who you are. Now, you may not think you are. You may not know you are, but this is who you are. I mean, Cindy's got on there in the natural and gone back and looked at some of my ancestors, and I thought, wow, I didn't know that. I had an ancestor that graduated from Oxford, came over in the 1600s. Wow. And he was a preacher, too. Go figure. (laughs) But here's the one that matters. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. You know what your DNA is to sum it up? An overcomer. The DNA of God in you is to overcome. God's made you an overcomer. He's made you to be an overcomer. And when we connect with God, with God's promises, when we connect with God's Spirit, when we, we connect with God's will and God's power and all the things that God's given us, you know what? We're living out the DNA of God. And he says, you are overcomers. And he said, this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Because, see, as soon as we believe that, we're made, what, a brand new person in Christ Jesus. God's life comes into us. God's Spirit is dwelling in us. We've been made children of God. We have favor with God. All the promises of God are ours. Glory to God. Think about how much you've been given. You need to just start using some of it. Isn't that right? I mean, I go back to my illustration. You know, I've used it before. I mean, what if you, you, you got an official letter from, you know, uh, uh, whatever, you know, hooked together about four or five names, law firm. And you said, you know, uh, you've been uh, mentioned in a will, the reading of a will. The distant relative wants you to come down. The office is such and such a time. There's going to be the reading of the will, and you can find out what you got. So, you know, you think, oh, man. I'm going to go down there and find out what I got. I mean, wouldn't, that, wouldn't, wouldn't you want to do that? But you know, it's amazing. Some people, they will never get in and read the will. This is the last will and testament of Jesus Christ. And in His will here, you can find out what you've been given. But it's amazing, isn't it? Some people could get that and say, ah, I just, I don't, I just, I'm probably not going to get anything. I'm not even going to go down there to that law office. I'm, you know, I'm busy. 
You know, I need to get a root canal anyway. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. People come up with all kinds of excuses. Other people will go down and say, well, you know what? I'm going to go down. And so they go down and they hear the will. And I mean, he says in here, you've been left $150,000. And you leave that place there. I don't believe that I'm going to get any $150,000. I mean, they didn't even know me. I don't Why would they have left me $150,000? There's no reason they would have left. That can't be real. But I say that because a lot of Christians, this is the way they approach it. They either don't read the will, or after they hear the will, you know, something rises up in them, that old way of thinking, well, that can't be for me. That's just for certain people. Yes, for certain people who've had their sins forgiven and have believed on Jesus, those are the people, if you're one of them, the will is for you. Amen? Amen. And you have His DNA. We're heirs of God. All the promises of God are ours in Christ Jesus. We won't turn over there for the sake of time, but in First Peter, I mean Second Peter, just write that down, 1-4, it says that, well, maybe we should read that. Okay. I got five minutes to close here. Listen to this, 2 Peter 1. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Wow. God wants you to participate in the divine nature, His DNA. And He said, He's given you these great and precious promises. Someone who has studied it out says there's roughly 7,000 promises in the Bible. 7,000 promises. Wow. That's a lot of promises, isn't it? And Peter calls them, they're great, very great, and precious. And that if you will receive these promises, believe these promises, he said, you can partake of the divine nature that's been put in you when you believed on Jesus. You can live in peace. You can live in joy. Amen. You can live in health. You say, you're, you're, oh, you're one of those, you're one of those, uh, that preachers that believes in all that stuff. Yeah, I do. I believe in all this stuff. I believe in all this stuff. Everything got stuffed in here, I believe it. And he stuffed in a lot. Amen. Everything that you need. He said to live a godly life and everything that pertains to life and godliness. He said, uh, so that through them you might participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption that is in the world by evil desires or lust. You know, in the natural world, you know, everybody is trying to, well, maybe not everybody, but in general, the, the, the mindset, the culture of the world is, is, you know, dog eat dog, climb the ladder, you know, make it to the top. You know, I want to make sure I, I, you know, I can get enough, can enough, and sit on the can. But with the children of God... It's not about that. See, that's because they're living according to the what? Their lust and their evil desires. They're living in their fear. 
I'm not going to have enough. But we, partaking of God's promises, you know what? We are free to give expression to this life that's in us. We can share that peace. We can share that love. We can share that forgiveness of God. We can share the generosity of God with others. Why? Because we don't have to, you know, reach and grab and try to get to the top. Because with God, He's already promised every need you have, I'm going to meet. I'm going to meet. Isn't that what He said? Jesus went about doing good and healing all those oppressed of the enemy. He said, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, I give unto you. All that Jesus has has been given to us. And He says, the way you find out about Him, read the will. Isn't that right? Let me take that thing about the will a little further. What if you got this, uh, uh, you know, official notarized thing from uh, uh, a law firm and said, you've been included in uh, Bill Gates' will? Or Jeff Bezos' will? He's, he's the head of Amazon. What if you said, you've been included in his will? Mightn't you... Clear your schedule. I mean, since they're, they're billionaires and almost a trillionaires. Well, I've got news for you. Your father owns all the world and all the gold and all the silver, the cattle on a thousand hills, and the taters under the hills. He owns it all, doesn't he? And you are his heir. Man, oh man, oh man. Talk about having some heavenly assets. Don't, listen, don't live a bankrupt life. I see so many Christians, bless their heart. I mean, don't misunderstand me. I'm not judging them. They're, they're good people. They, they, they love God, but they either, either they haven't heard or they just, somehow they just won't mix faith with it. And again, I'm not criticizing. But you know, I see so many Christians that are living uh, bankrupt lives. You know, they're, they're full of fear. They're full of anxiety. They're full of, of cares about tomorrow. I mean, you know it because you can see it on their face. You can hear it in their words. And I'm here to tell you, listen, your heavenly Father is generous. He's provided for you in Christ Jesus. Not only heaven one day, thank God for that, yes, but something for today. Something for today. Let me... Just give you a couple of action points, and we're going to pray. You here today, maybe, do you long for a fresh start? Maybe you need a fresh start. I've needed a fresh start before. We need, even, even if you're a believer, maybe you need a fresh start. You're like, man, so much stuff is, you know, you know stuff just has a way of crowding in on you, doesn't it? You ever had to just, I mean, you, you have to, this is why you have to keep a, close relationship with God because stuff will crowd in amen well, it would be nice if we all could just live in an ivory tower and come down on Sunday mornings but you know what that's not reality is it we have to deal with the ugly now and now isn't that right we live in a fallen world things don't work just the way we would like for them to they don't always work just the way God would want them to God's not willing that any should perish. You know anybody that's perished? Well, that tells you right now it's not working exactly the way God wants it to. 
But here's the thing. We can live in the Spirit, live in this new life. You know what? We can get a fresh start. Get into the Bible and discover your new identity. This is the only place you're going to find it. Right here and in your prayer closet. You take this book and go into your prayer closet. Are you listening? Find out who you are, who God says you are. You know, I grew up, you know, I grew up really, really poor. My kids hear about how I grew up and they think, wow, Dad, you like a little house on the prairie. We didn't have a bath, we had a path. You know, I didn't have indoor plumbing until I was in middle school. You know, we were called in those days, they called you poor white trash. You know, so I knew what everybody else said I was. And I knew what everybody else said about me. That's why I had a fuse about that long. So when I got old enough, I didn't take anything off of anybody. You know, if I just thought you looked at me wrong, it's on. <laughs> you know, but here's the thing. When I got saved, I, found, I, I got in this book. I said, you know, I found out I got a new identity. It's not anger. It's not fighting. It's not envy. It's not jealousy. It's not all that stuff. I mean, God says the love of God's been shed abroad in my heart. My, my new identity is love. I want to forgive people. I want to be patient with people. I want to share this new life with people. I begin to find out my new identity. It's in the book. And let me give you a little hint to help you in this as you're looking in the book, the Bible, for your new identity. Look for verses, especially we're talking about the New Testament now, especially in the letters written to us, the epistles, the letters. First and Second Corinthians, Ephesians, Colossians, Peter, and John, so forth and so on. Those epistles. Look for these words that that will be signature words for you in Christ. When you find something that talks about, you know, about what you have in Christ. See, here's the thing: most of us we still look at ourselves just from the outward. Are you listening? We live our lives more in touch with the outward than we do with the inward. But in Christ is my identity, my new identity. I identify with Christ. I don't identify with the world. I don't identify with the world's culture. I identify with the kingdom culture. I identify with Christ. So look for this scriptures that say that have in Christ, in Him, and in whom. Because you know what? That's telling you what your new identity is. What your new DNA is. If any man, woman, be in Christ, they are a brand new creation. We're talking about faith walking with God. Now this is a walk of faith. Now faith does this. Faith looks not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are... You see, you can't see my spirit. All you can see is this outward man. See, we, we, you know, somebody that we love, they pass away and they say, we're going to such and such his funeral. Well, yes and no. Their house is there, a body, but they're with the Lord. This is why the Bible says we don't grieve like others grieve. Now, we miss them 
personally, of course we do. But you know what? They're with the Lord. That's the real person. And the real person is who you are in Christ. That's who your new identity is. And you're going to live based on one or the other. You're going to live based according to your externals. Or you're going to base, live according to faith. That's why I call it faith walking with God. And the only way we can see that inward man is through the lens of God's Word. We used to say, years ago, we used to say, I am who God says I am. I have what God says I have. And I can do what God says I can do. That's faith talking. See, my natural mind says you can't do what God says you can do. You're not who God says you are. I have to get my mind renewed. I have to understand who I am. A brand new identity. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's Word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.